Jason Cannon, go time here on The Breakfast Show. That means it is Bible study time. Before we get into our Bible study, 400-point question and text messages. So let's go. All right, for 400 points, what metal did Moses use to fashion a snake image that healed the Israelites and bitten by venomous serpents? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. Again, that question was, what metal did Moses use to fashion a snake image that healed the Israelites bitten by venomous Serpents, and for 400 points, you can win a, yourself a selection, of, well, a book from our selection of bargain books. But again, guys, 0491-064-669, what metal did they use to make the snake? Okay. Text message, have you ever wondered what would happen to the population of fish if they actually stopped the fishing industry? It's estimated that up to 2.7 trillion fish are caught each year. That's Will the sea actually... Be able to support them in compounding numbers. Very relevant, very relevant comment right there mm-hmm. uh, because we do live in a broken world in which if you do not manage you know, game numbers in, in all kinds of different places, they overpopulate and then starve. Mm. And, and it actually becomes worse and more negative. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's, it's like, oh, we're going to stop suffering by you know, not, not controlling the population numbers and just let them go wild. Well, actually, you compound suffering. Mm. The fact is we live in a world of suffering. Mm. End of story. There is no escaping of suffering. Either you have suffering that is uh, created by humans or you have suffering that is created by environments, either which way you've got suffering. Man, that's, that's pretty dark. The, re- the, 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 the uh, solution to this is quite simple. Mm. And that is uh, to, for Jesus to come back. That's right. That's right. Problem solved. Good ending, good ending, good ending to, uh, to, that, to that point there. Uh, Bible translations, the passion, heart level translation. Give me a break. The Holy Spirit guides <laughs> us all to truth via the Word of God, not through the emotional imagination of a man or a woman. So people true. can have a wild imagination. I liked I liked Lawson's off-air description of the uh, passion translation. It's like an it's like it says it's like an ad for a. Um, for a dating, for a dating app. app. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The whole got, translation is written in dating app language. That's right. Well, when I was just reading the website, it's like, fall in love with God all over again. And I was like, oh, man. Like, yikes. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and more oh, than that. brother. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, just the whole thing is just, ugh. yeah. It's cringe. And then uh, text here. Salvation comes by hearing and reading the word of God. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to be careful of. And, and, you know, I want to put it out there that when it comes to Bibles and Bible translations, you have translations and you have paraphrases. When it comes to understanding doctrinal truth, you need to have a translation and it needs to be a word-for-word translation. It is that simple. You cannot go with a thought-for-thought. You cannot go with a paraphrase. Paraphrase is kind of a devotional book based on the Bible. Mm. And that's what we need to look at paraphrases as. Often we call them Bibles. I don't think that's appropriate because they're not actually a Bible. They're a devotional book based on the Bible. And if we treat it as such, then we protect ourselves from falling into error. Mm. We need to go back to a word-for-word translation to find out what truth is because truth uh, will bring us to Jesus Christ. That all being said, the worst Bible you can have in your house, like probably the worst one I've ever seen, is the one that you don't read. This is a fact. So, guys, like, dusty one. you know, the Bible says... Worst um, Bible translation is a dusty one. <laughs> that's correct. So, okay, the, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word of God. Like, that's right. we are in such need. So, I mean, I gave my life to God by reading an NIV. It's not a great translation. Mm, it's very it's much not, thought It's not a thought. terrible one. It's Bible. a terrible one. 
<laughs> you have personal vendetta. It's a boomer translation. <laughs> the whole the whole Bible just reeks of boomer culture. Yeah. Yeah. You reckon? I think so. Okay. Fair enough. Boomers love it. Yeah. <laughs> you you go look. Boomers just absolutely everywhere you go, they're just like that's their favorite Bible. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway. Um, we need to, uh, to to get off of that and get on to our Bible study. Mm. Let me read to you from King James Version. Oh, okay. No, I read it to us from the NLT. And then NLT. I'll, and then I'll correct the NLT. My, from my, uh, my biblical devotional book, yes. as you would call it, the, the paraphrase. All right, what are we reading? Uh, we are reading Hebrews chapter 6, mm-hmm. and we are going to pick up in... Uh, Verse 9. Yes, verse 9. All right, the Bible says, Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown him your love, uh, shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as you will keep on lo- oh sorry that you'll keep on lo- loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that w- that what you hope for will come true. Sorry. There. Okay, so I don't even know where you uh, which verses you read there, but I know that it was more than verse 9. <laughs> I was read I read verse 9 to verse 11. Okay. I, I I lost track. I've only got 18 words in verse 9. How many words do you have in verse 9? Oh yeah, it's quite a lengthy passage, isn't it? Um, mine's, yeah. mine's like one simple short sentence with two commas. That's it. 18 words. I've got two sentences here with a couple commas in each. So you've probably got double as many words. Oh, okay, we're going to... You don't like this bottle. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just making a point. No, no it's, it's... And the more words that you add, mm. the further it is from the original. That's right. You yeah. Know? It's it's when, it, when you when you when when you're talking about a word for word translation, and the more words that you add, sorry if I butted you, but the more words that you add, the more you allow for people to add their thoughts. The less words right. you add, the less it allows for people to add their thoughts. Yeah, it's ultimately like people will put their opinion in there if they have the opportunity. It's impossible not to give them an inch, they take a mile. If I was translating the Bible, I know it would, my biases would come in. Mm. That's humanity. And that's why you don't let one person translate the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Reword it from what way I said it last time. A single, a single person translation. <laughs> Lyle, Lyle attacking all single oh, people. I was cracking up so much. I was like, oh, Lyle's just really out here attacking single people. <laughs> <laughs> now, there are a bunch of uh, translations out there by single people, but those should be viewed as that particular person's hobby. That's right. And not as a serious translation. One of the things I love, you know what I love about the KJV? Mm. Is that you had basically two committees translating. You had Anglicans and you had Puritans. Mm. And every word had to be agreed on by both, by by every member of both committees. Mm. And both committees, the Puritans and the Anglicans, hated each other and regularly went to war with each other and killed each other over their faith. Mm. So when you've got two groups that actually hate each other that much, for them to come to agreement, there's going to be serious debate backwards and forwards and they're going to actually nut it down to what it actually is. Mm. That's you know, there's the only translation that's ever been translated by warring parties. Yeah. 
And it was the translation that the Apostle Paul used. No, so, James. No. <laughs> <laughs> good enough for the Apostle James, good enough for <laughs> That's so classic, dude. Oh, dear. The only thing that King James is known for, he was a bit of a nothing king. Yeah. He didn't do anything. But, but he did translate. But he made a Bible. But he translated the Bible, and because of that, he's actually probably the most well-known um, English monarch of all time. That's right. <laughs> Hilarious stuff. Okay, let's get back to it. Um, Let me read it to you here from uh, um, the KJV. It says, But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, uh, though we thus speak. Mm. So, in other words, he's given them a bit of a hard time and called them dumb. (laughs) Yeah. um, And called them slow and called them dull. And told them that if they reject drinking God, drinking milk, then this they're done. It's over. Yes. So it's some pretty hard passages here, but then he comes back around and says, "Nah, but we're actually persuaded that you're above this." Mm. So that's good. He's mm-hmm. actually sort of, you know, you would be feeling bad up until this point. And it's like, oh, actually, no, he doesn't feel that bad about us. Mm. Uh, For God is not unrighteousness to forget your work and labor of love. In other words, okay, you might be a bit dumb and you might be a bit dull and you might be a bit slow and you might still be just drinking milk, but you are working hard Mm. and God's not going to forget that, which you have showed in his name, that you have ministered to the saints and continue to minister. Mm -hmm. And so it's like God God knows your heart. He knows who you are and what you're doing and he knows that you are... uh, uh, performing a labor of love to the people around you. And it's interesting here how he talks about ministering to the saints. Yes. Because a lot of times people ask me, well, what is a saint? You know, is a saint somebody who's gone through a canonization process that might take 300 years or more uh, before we officially get word, you know, you can now pray to this person because um, we've turned them into a saint. Mm. No, we don't turn anyone into a saint. Only God turns people into saints. And saints are everyone who's a follower of God. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. All right, let's pick it up in verse uh, 12. Let's keep reading here. So in verse 12, the Bible says, Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promise because of their faith and endurance. Okay. This is interesting here because now he moves on to God's promise. Mm. And God's promise or God's covenant is going to be a major theme of the book of Hebrews, you know, particularly from this point forward. It's already been a theme, but it's going to become, you know, pretty much the theme of the book of Hebrews. Mm. And particularly, you know, talking about the covenant with Abraham and so forth. But in verse 12, you know, don't be slothful, don't be dull, don't be dumb. Uh, I think your translation used those kinds of words. Don't be slow. Mm but followers of those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. Mm. Okay, so should we follow people? Is Paul telling us to become followers of people, followers of celebrities of the past? Uh, no, like of, I, don't, I don't think so. But it's what he says. Be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Yeah, but it was Paul who would go on to say, you know, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And the reality is, like, okay, so in in any industry you can possibly be in, like, in any sport, in any business, in any whatever. Community. Community. There are examples to follow. There are rules. Like, you know, you can talk about, like, specific rules and guidelines that are given that come from experience. Like, oh, this specific thing happened and then we've made a rule slash guideline that 
limits the ability for that bad or encourage a bad thing from happening or encourages this good thing to happen. Um, but also the fact that like, yeah, you follow the example of people around you because they know what they're doing. They're having the, this experience. Um, and I think it's like, basically what he's trying to say is like, yeah, not to follow people in a deistic kind of way, like as, like as they are a deity or something, but that, hey, you have the example of others who have followed God. You are also attempting to follow God. So you can follow King David in his repentance, mm. but not in his sin. That's right. Um, you can fo- well. That's the thing. Yeah, you can follow King David in in striving to live a life following God as he did. You know, and, and so that's like the, the the main point. It's like, oh, follow these people as they followed God. Yes. But then we can clearly identify within you know their lives that there were times where they didn't follow God. You know, and that's why we have the Bible, and that's why the Bible says the things the Bible says. That's right. It's like you know David in his sin. Like, are we supposed to follow him in that? No. Uh, Elijah and sitting under a tree and being like, "God, kill me." Are we supposed to follow him that example? No. You know, Jonah running away from God. Are we supposed to follow that example? No. But it shows us that, in spite of all those challenges, we can follow God. Like, because we're going to experience our own moments where we fall short, sin, run away from God, just like they did. And it's like, oh, but see what happened? Like, even when they fell sh- short, and it's going to go on very quickly in verse 13 to talk about Abraham, who was a man who fell short so many times, like, in, in so many ways. Ethically. Like, it's like, just stuffed up. But, like, and the point that it makes is like, oh, yeah, like, but in the same way that Abraham was able to find repentance, come back to God, keep following him, we should do the same. And that's yes. awesome. Absolutely, it's awesome. And, you know, we are going to be you know, spending a little bit of time here about Abraham. Got a couple of uh, text messages coming through here. Mm. Um, this one says, The King James Version had 70 translated, as you said, not necessarily love each other, but they did love the Word of God. And that's Ooh. actually a, that's a fact right there. Ooh. And some of the, some of the uh, translators, you know, if you're, and this is the thing, if you're prepared to put your life on the line for the Word of God, then you obviously love the Word of God. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't believe that they were doing the right thing by going to war with each other mm. and being prepared to fight over. That was not correct by mm. any stretch of the imagination, and not biblical. But they were passionate. Probably the most passionate translators of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of all right, all right. I'm just got to slide that one in there. Um, let me see here. Freco has this to say: Most people are turned away by King James. They want their own language. They understand, not 18th century lingo. Okay. All right. Get a new King James. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, that's right. <laughs> do, do what I did. Get a new King James. Then Michael says, solved. we need a new generation. Because I was talking about you know, the NIV being a boomer Bible. Ah, uh-huh, okay. He says, we need a new generation. Uh-huh. The Bible boomer generation. Yeah. So not the boomer generation, but the Bible boomer generation. Yeah, that's, that's everyone. The ones who boom out with the Bible. It's like. That, that's everyone. Do, do you mean like. Boom the Bible out there. Oh, uh, wait, so what's the point he's trying to make? Like, we need people. We need who a generation are... of people who follow the Bible. Amen. I so you I have, agree. You've got the I generation, agree. you've got the X gen, you've got the Y gen, you've got the millennial, you've got the Z. I'm the Bible. We can all be the Bible boomer generation. Doesn't matter how old or young you are. Just like that. Start booming the Bible. That's yeah, that's 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 everyone's So next goal. time somebody calls you a millennial, are you a millennial or a... I'm uh, like in the middle. In I'm the like middle. a... They call me like a z- zillennial. Like a zillennial. Kind of, so yeah, you're, like a, kind of, you're a zillennial 
And so next time someone says you're a zillennial or a millennial, you say, no, I'm not a zillennial. I'm a Bible boomer. I'm a, I'm a boomer. And they're like, you're not a boomer. And it's like, yes, I'm a Bible boomer. <laughs> That's right. Michael, you're a genius. You've just created a new generation that spans all generations. I love it. Um, this is a generation that's been around for the last 6,000 years. <laughs> that's right. All of these. Dude, Abraham was a Bible boomer, bro. <laughs> Absolutely. He'd love to speak about the Word of God. Mm. Let's, let's be the generation that loves to speak about the Word of God. Mm. Okay, where were we up to? We were talking about Abraham. Mm. And, you know, let's let's think about Abraham because... You know, this is this is an interesting thought. We often look at, you know, God says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says that like a million times in the Bible. Yes. Maybe not a million. It's slightly but like a lot but of a times. Lot. Um, and it's kind of like God is, 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 is introducing himself by saying, okay, I'm the God of these guys. Yeah, that's right. If, if you want to know things about me, then look at these guys. Yeah. Why would you do that? Because Let's think about Abraham. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those dudes are ballers. Like they're they're awesome. Like great examples, amazing track record, super faithful. So Abraham's going to Egypt, right? <laughs> yeah, he's on his way to Egypt. He has a wife that is absolutely a stunner. Yeah, dude, he's one. He has. <laughs> it's probably the most beautiful woman in the world. You know, there's like about ten women in the world that can achieve supermodel status. Really? Yeah, there's, you, how many? You only ever really have about ten that are sitting in in, in supermodel. Okay. Okay. Status. Fair enough. Um, and he's married to one. Mm. She's actually supermodel status. I mean, she's like eighty years old, but she's still <laughs> supermodel. <laughs> she's status. doing well. <laughs> oh, back then, you know, when people were living for you know nearly two hundred years, mm. um, she's just unbelievably attractive. And he starts to freak out because he's going down to Egypt. And he's like, yeah, you know what? I'm heading down to Egypt. Um, there is every likelihood that there's somebody going to be down there who is going to be like, you know what, Abraham, I can I can take that I can take that family on. Mm. And uh, kind of the way it worked back in the day was if you could kill the uh, if if you wanted somebody's wife and you could kill their husband and family, then you could just take their wife. Mm. And so he says to he says to his wife, "You're a beautiful woman." That's a nice compliment. Mm-hmm. And because you're a beautiful woman, people are going to kill me. So don't tell them you're my wife. Tell them you're my sister. Oh, yikes. Okay. Has anybody... I don't know that I've ever come across a man being more of a... I'm trying to find the right word here that would be appropriate to use on radio. Mm. Coward? Coward's a good word. Yeah. It doesn't really... Loser, a loser coward. <laughs> let's, let's add those two words together, blend those two words. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, a loser coward. I, I don't know that I've ever met anyone who's more of a loser coward than that. It's yeah. like, yeah, you know, if we go down to Egypt and you just say my sister, then somebody will come along and marry you. That's, that'll be fine. I'll still be alive. I don't, you know, as long as I'm alive, it's all good. He's shunning the male responsibility in marriage, basically. Oh, absolutely, to be provider and protector. Mm. Of his wife to stand up and fight for it and lay down his life for his wife and to love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave his himself for it. Mm. He's like, nah, no, no, no. He, you know, it's not about just, that. Just, just take her and go as long as I'm alive. <laughs> Yikes! And he goes to Egypt. This is exactly what happens. Somebody comes along. And is like, oh, who are you? Oh, well, I'm his sister. Oh, good. I will take you as my wife. Happens to be Pharaoh. <laughs> yeah, 
the because, king. <laughs> well, he has the power to do that. And, and she's really pretty. That's right. Why wouldn't you when you've got the power to do that? You know, you've got a harem. You've got lots of women. You're going to try and stock your harem with supermodels. Mm. And so, you know, he, he, he kind of does that. So why would, why would, why Abraham? Okay, so we've got uh, another text message. Let's see what Bruce has got to say here. Jesus was the word, and the word has power to save. They killed Jesus, but couldn't take away the power to save that can still be found in his word. Mm. Absolutely. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Anyway, more artistic. <laughs> Lyle is criticizing the artistic nature of, of the band. Okay, anyways, for 500 points. I'm what- artistic. I'm an art critic. I can do that. <laughs> okay. For 500 points. <laughs> now you're just being comedic. This is like, this is, oh, dude, the jokes are rolling off. Okay. Oh, comedy is an art for, <laughs> for 500 points. What three word title later applied to Jesus Christ did the voice of God use to address the prophet of Ezekiel? Um, the prophet Ezekiel. 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. And if you do, you can win our 500-point prize for this morning, which is the book, The Commentary on the Book of Daniel, Practical Living in the Judgment Hour by Norman McNulty. Mm. Dude, I want to know how to do that. I think the hour of judgment has come. At least that's what the Bible says, and I want to be able to live practically. So, again, our number is 0491-064-669, and that question was, what three-word title later applied to Jesus Christ did the voice of God use to address the prophet Ezekiel? Mm. If you know what it is, give us a call. Give us a text. 0491-064-669 is the number. And mm-hmm. coming through on the text here, the King James Version was written when the English language was at its peak with great and deep meaning to its words, yet simple to understand it. Love it, you could say, a language of love. What do you mean? So, this in- is, so that we could retitle it the, pa- the, the, King, the Passion King James Version. <laughs> Dude, the language at its peak. The King James it was, is- the, it was the language at its peak, and I'll tell you why it was at its peak, and that is because while you know a lot of people talk about the these and the thous mm-hmm. in the King James, the King James also has you and yours. Mm. It hasn't replaced thee and thou. Thee and thou are actually different words, mm. and they have a different meaning to you and your. Mm. And we don't understand those meanings today, so we don't actually understand the depth and the subtleness of the meanings that are coming through in the KJV because, you know, you've kind of got to do a course in um, 16th century English, 17th century English to be able to uh, wrap your head around that. But, yeah, it, it was, you know, People who study the English language do say that was the peak of the English language where it had, you know, the most depth of meaning, you know, because, I mean, for instance, we have the word love today, um, whereas back then you had love and you had charity and you had, you know, whatever other words. You had much greater variety of words to describe a, you know, we have sin today. Back then you had sin, you had transgression, you had, um, you know, once again, a whole bunch of different words that we just don't, don't use today. Yeah. Vexation of spirit. That's, that's one of my yeah. favorite KJV terms. It's, that awesome. one should come back. Vexation of spirit. Yes. There's a whole bunch of them that should come back. Ah, oh, that's so good. I'm but- suffering from vexation of spirit this morning because lost. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the English language is at its peak right now. I think, you know, we have yeah. words like lit. They didn't say that back then. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, didn't say, they, they didn't say that. They didn't say cringe back then. They didn't call things cringe when they thought it was dumb. We're, we're peaking right now. Anyways, let's, let's continue to read what the Bible says. Yes, what the Bible says. All right, let's go to uh, verse 
13. Let's read verse 13. In verse 13, the Bible says, For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, Oh, this is going to really mess me up because I'm currently memorizing this passage. And this is all. Oh, I just read it, to, I'll read it to you in KJ then. Yeah, but I, I can read it. It says, I will certainly bless you and I am, will multiply your descendants beyond number. That's the, the promise that he gives okay. to Abraham. All right. Let's think about this for a moment then. Why does God swear by himself? And, and, and let's, let's, let's think about this. So, you know, there, there might be a time when you want to um, express the fact that you are telling the absolute truth to mm-hmm. the best of your ability. Mm-hmm. And you might say something like along the lines of, as God is my witness, mm. this is what happened. Mm. And when you say that, why don't you call on somebody else as your witness? Uh, why don't you? Why isn't it like as 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 Scomo is my witness? <laughs> well, he wasn't because he wasn't there. God was there. Well, why don't you even call him one of the angels? You know, as Gabriel is my witness. Mm. You know, is Gabriel going to lie? Uh no, no. So why not go to Gabriel? I mean, surely Gabriel can see a bunch of stuff that's happening here on this earth. Why not? Why not? Why not go there? Or, or one of the other angels? It's a- why, why not go? You know, as my guardian angel is my witness because we know it. My guardian angel has seen it and has witnessed it. Mm. So why don't we go there? As my guardian angel is my witness, this is what happened. Mm. Well, it's a thing of authority, simply. Like, God is number one. Like, he's the highest. Like, if you say, as with God as my witness, you know, a lot of people say, like, um, in the kind of non-Christian context, they're like, I swear on my mom's life. And it's like this idea of, you love your mom more than anything else. And so if you swear on her life, like... You would be- never violate your mom's integrity. That's right. That's right. And so it's like by saying, you know, by, and what this verse is communicating is God has no one to swear by because who, who has higher authority than God? Yes. Because if you swore on your mum's life, for instance, and, and, and because you wanted to show just how, uh, important the truth of this statement was to Mm. you, then you can go up the levels from there. Mm. You know, that's, that's a pretty high level. It's pretty high bar, but you can go up from there Mm. because, you know, God is obviously above your mum. Mm. And so when God makes an oath, what does he swear by? Well, he swears. It says here he swears by himself because who else can he swear by? That's right. Mm. You can't go greater than God. Mm. And so God swears by himself when he makes this covenant with Abraham, which is going to be, uh, as I say, it's going to be a major theme as we move on down through here, uh, the covenant. Mm. Um. And it explains it here because, you know, in verse 15, and so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise, that's Abraham, Mm. for men truly swear by greater, by the greater. Mm. And an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Mm. And this is kind of how it used to be back in the day. Even up until relatively recent times, um, a man's oath was, you know, his, his, his promise was binding to him as an individual because his greatest currency was his reputation. If his reputation is destroyed, if his reputation is gone, then he's kind of done. Mm. He's, he's ruined. And so what you'll find, you know, particularly even in medieval times, medieval times were run by oaths. Mm. Everything that happened was was based on a system of oaths and the fact that men and women, but it really was a, a, a man thing, stood by their oaths. Mm. And if you were an oath breaker, 
you would actually that would become a part of your name. You would be you know known as Lawson the Oathbreaker. Oh, people would attach that you know, because they could attach all kinds of things to your name that were kind of weird and random. Mm. Um, and that was something that you did not want attached to your name. And so, as the Bible says here, you know, um, an oath for confirmation to them is the end of all strife. They're not going to be arguing about something, whether it did happen or it didn't happen, once somebody uh, confirms it with an oath. Mm. And so God here is like, yeah, I'm going to make this promise, I'm going to make this covenant, and I'm going to confirm it with an oath. And what am I going to swear by? I'm going to swear by myself. <laughs> because I'm God. <laughs> because I can't swear by anything greater. You know, you can't swear by the universe because God is greater than the universe. That's right. Mm. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that loves us. The Bible says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope that is set before us. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Um, it's time for question of the day. Before we go there, we have some answers for our quizzes. Okay, for 100 points, it was the Queen of Sheba. For 200 points, it was in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. 300 points, it was two. 400 points, it was bra- bronze or brass, depending on which you know translation you're reading. Uh, and for 500 points, the answer was son of man. So I understand that no one got this correct. Wow. It's like the defining thing in the book of Ezekiel. Uh, whenever you hear... You know, it's the defining phrase for the book of Ezekiel. Whenever you hear a Bible verse and it says, you know, son of man do this, son of man do that, or son of man, you know, whatever, you always know it's Ezekiel. Mm. And Jesus, that was the title of Jesus. That he used to yes. call himself. Awesome. Well, right now it is time for... Question of the Day. All right, a question of the day has come in, and it's simply this. Lyle, could you please explain Zechariah 13, 3 and 6? Yeah, I could. If I had an hour. <laughs> so let me give you the short version. Okay, so um, let's go back to... Well, let, let, let's look at the broad context of the passage and see what the passage is broadly speaking about. And you find the broad context uh, probably best defined in chapter 14, verse 1 to 3, where the Bible says, Behold, the day of the Lord comes... In fact, let me just leave it there because we don't have time to dig into the depths of mm. everything that's going on here. Mm. So the context of the passage is the day of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, return of Christ, the end of sin, the end of, you know, etc. We go back to uh, chapter 13 and the Bible says, In that day there will be a fountain opened to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. In other words, sin is going to be washed away. Mm. It will come to pass in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land. They will no more be remembered. I will cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to pass out of the land. So obviously unclean prophets because the prophets here are in the context of idolatry and unclean spirits, so the false prophets. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will come to pass that when, and this is verse 3 now, uh, when any shall yet prophesy, then his father and his mother that gave birth to him shall sound him, you shall not live. For he speak lies in the name of the Lord. And his father and his mother that gave birth to him shall thrust him out when he prophesies. And so basically what the Bible is talking about is a cleansing of God's people and a cleansing of God's church mm. just before Jesus comes back. Mm. God's church is going to be purified. How is it going to be purified? Well, if you read Revelation chapter 13, you're going to find that it's going to be purified by the final crisis. Mm. Whenever you have crisis, character is revealed 
And when character is revealed, God's church is purified. When persecution comes in, God's church is purified. Mm. And so uh, that's 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 what we've we've got this purification that is taking place. And there are probably a bunch of uh, verses that are similar to this. Uh, you know, even right there in Revelation thirteen and fourteen, it goes mm. on to talk about the hundred forty-four thousand. In their mouth was no guile, for they were without fault before the throne of God. Mm. Why? Because there's been a purification that has taken place. And so that's the context of verse 3 right there. The context is that this is an end-time prophecy. It does have, obviously, a literal local application for its time at that day. But for us, this is an end-time prophecy, and the Bible is talking about you know, the latter rain, the, the purification of God's people just before Jesus comes back. Um, and it continues on in that same vein through verse 4 and 5. And then when you come to verse 6, and it says, And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in your hands? Then he will answer those with which I was wounded in the house of my friend. So in the context of verse 6, this is clearly a reference to Jesus Christ. This is a prophecy about Jesus Christ and the fact that Jesus is somebody who uh, suffered for our sins. Mm. And so when you look at the, the, the context is particularly when you go to chapter 14, because chapter 14 is taking place at the end of the millennium. So, you know, you, you begin before the, the purification that happens before Jesus comes back. But chapter 14, you've moved a thousand years on. And so verse 6 is going to fit somewhere in between there. Verse 6 is going to be people who are purified and in heaven and are asking Jesus. They are, these are saved people that are asking Jesus, what are these wounds in your hands? And so these are people who have uh, never heard of Jesus Christ and who are saved. Mm. Because they are meeting Jesus. Now, how do they meet Jesus? Obviously because Jesus has come back. That's how you meet Jesus. That's how you see his wounds, when Jesus comes back. And so they they meet him. Jesus comes back. They meet him. They see him. They ask him about his wounds. And they hear the gospel message for the very first time in heaven after having received salvation. Amazing that God is able to save people who haven't even heard of him. Mm. We'll probably talk about, on another day, how that actually happens. Certainly not for everyone. This is The Breakfast Show. A couple of last uh, text messages coming through here uh, from one of our delayed listeners. Uh, says, hey, Lawson, sorry to hear about your dog. I had a similar experience oh. a couple of years ago. It was terrible. Think about what it was like for God when he had to kill heaps of his people. That's from uh, from Sean. Mm. Then we have um, um, this one from DH. Is NKJ, NKJV. KJV are great. However, when you go cross-culturally, you realise that the Holy Spirit is powerful enough to speak through other translations. It's important to speak yeah. in the heart language of the person so that they have the best opportunity to connect with their Saviour. Doing a great job, guys. And this is absolutely true. Of course, we're just sitting here arguing about English translations. That's right. Uh, whatever your language is, you can argue about the translations. <laughs> okay, and don't forget to spend time with Jesus today. Mm. Um, I was talking to the guys down at Discovery Centre yesterday. They have so many Bible studies happening down there and different courses that you can do. We would love to, to connect you with some of those courses. And... Uh, uh, they've got 18 different courses that you can choose from on archaeology, on prophecy, on forgiveness, on prayer, on uh, life coaching, uh, you name it. They've got a course on the life of Jesus. So mm. give us a call. We'll make the connections. Don't forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith. You will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. Securely for you, God be with you till we.
Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.